Bush and Richie here with your daily takeaway. Uh, I've got a scaffolding thing going on in our house at the moment, Richie. Where so we've got builders in the, in the house again. If anyone's had builders, it seems like a lot of people having building work done at the moment. So you might have had this situation. I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but we don't have sugar in the house anymore. I don't know about you. Oh, like, really? Don't normally have like a bag of sugar. I don't know. Things have just changed. We don't take sugar in our teas and coffees. Me and Katie. So. The scaffolder this morning says, can I have... I offered him a cup of tea. You might, you might be... This might be alien to you, Richie, because you don't normally offer people teas and that in the builder's tea. We've told that before. <laughs> what I did is I asked them what they wanted as a hot drink. You can write this down if you want. Anyway, he it's said... Give me sweats. <laughs> he's panicking. He's going under again. So uh, he asked for tea, two sugars, and yet again, I've had to put castor sugar in there. Uh, now... <sighs> Is that bad? He's not going to know. I, th- I think I reckon that's all right. He seems fairly happy. I mean, it, it's going to sweeten it in some way, shape, or form. He's not going to know that you've put in the wrong type of sugar. At worst, he's going to think, "Cool, this fo- this fella doesn't make a great cup of tea. I won't ask for one on future occasions." Which actually then turns out to be a great thing. It's a bit of a boon. Well, two things have come in about this. I put this on Twitter earlier on. First of all, someone got in touch saying apparently caster sugar is two times normal sugar. Okay. Didn't know that. Apparently, that's two times the sweetness. Someone else then said off the back of that, apparently more and more households in the UK are using caster sugar for tea because you can get more out of it because it's, like, stronger, if you know what I mean. It's, like, cut cut a bit more pure than the normal stuff. And then, finally, the BBC's... uh, BBC News' very own Mr Chris Mason uh, got in touch to say that he, recently, when he's had building work done, he put icing sugar in his builder's tea. Oh. Which I don't know how that is going to pan out. Is that like a going to have an head on it or something like that? It's going to solidify because that's what icing sugar does, isn't it? I'm not that's sure. A, oh, oh, that's made me wonder. You know, so I'll try that. Yeah, I mean, any other angle on this is—is is it okay to use caster sugar? And if you ever used icing sugar when making other people a cup of tea, you know how to get in touch on email: hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk. The Daily Takeaway. Richie's Daily Takeaway. Hope the sun is shining where you are. This is Home Time. It's Absolute Radio on a Wednesday afternoon. Sun is shining here at home. I'm not with Bush in the studio. Uh, wish I was. Um, wasn't with you at all in any way, shape or form yesterday. A uh, little bit poorly. A uh, little bit of a dramatic incident outside a tube station in London. So to the three people who came over and uh, helped me, thank you very much. Never took their names. That's so me. Uh, <laughs> always attention to detail. I slip up on. Uh, but uh, broadcasting from home today, a little bit under the weather. One thing I've noticed, Bush, there needs to be a TV channel for ill people. Ill TV. Right, so do you mean um, TV shows that are about being ill, or do you mean TV shows that are aimed at people who are just sat on the couch in tracky bottoms seeing out an illness? The latter, because uh, I, I think actually watching a channel just about people that are ill might, might just um, be uh, counterintuitive. No, like a TV channel that shows only the programmes that you like watching when you're under the weather. So, like today, I've consumed a lot of yesterday TV. I've watched three episodes back-to-back of Secrets of the London Underground. I've done two Homes Under the Hammer. I would say those type of programmes, stuff that you'd never normally get home from you'd never normally get home in the evening and go I'm going to watch one of those I'm going to watch Homes Under the Hammer but you watch it when you're ill sipping LucasAid actually it's a good point I, I get weird like tastes for stuff when, when I'm, I'm not feeling very well like there's there's certain programs you can't handle at all isn't there when you're ill and there's other other types of things where like I get a strange hankering for incredibly long slow paced films when I'm not very well <laughs> so the last time wasn't very well I watched The Revenant 
I think I watched it three or four times now. And he kind of, uh, I, I, I felt for uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, because, you know, when you're like, you've got bad colds, and any other fellas listening to this, when men get colds, it does hurt them a lot more oh, than it, it does. For, it really does hit more than it does for, for women, and, you know, it's just a thing. And I felt like Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio when I was crawling, he was crawling around in the movie. So I think Revenant's got to be on there, the late night movie. I know a lot of media movers and shakers listen to this show. You won't be surprised to hear that. So this can happen. Ill TV. What programmes are we putting on it? Let's build that schedule. Joe Banks says it kind of exists already. I just sit down all day with QVC on. In fairness, a shopping channel is another one that you would wander to. That is a good point. That is a good point. And I think people need to channel. Think back. Pretty much everyone's had the Rona now. If you've been wrestling with the Rona, what were you watching? on the telly under your <laughs> Spider-Man duvet. That's the kind of stuff that we're after. I'm going to chuck another one in the mix here because I was saying earlier on I like like slow, long films. I like stuff that, that uh, develops at quite a slow pace at uh, 1 a mil. I'm going to chuck in the, uh, the iconic documentary, black and white documentary series, The World at War. <laughs> You ever heard of that? It's like 75 episodes. It goes, yeah. it, it almost goes at real-time pace of the Second World War. And it's yeah. an iconic thing uh, to be watching if you're off ill yeah. and sitting there eating uh, maybe smashed up boiled egg with butter and pepper in a cup. I just want to ask a devil's advocate question, all right, because I, I, I find when I'm poorly, like right now, I, I, I just want stuff that's nice and easy uh, and warming of the soul. Do you think the world at war might be a little bit specific to you? Well, yeah, quite. I, I think so. I mean, I've got an interest in, in military history. I'm a very, very boring man. But can, all right, I'll, I'll give you a different one. This could be the late night, a, a late night thing again on uh, on Ill TV, our, our brand new yeah, TV yeah. channel. Grand designs. That's another thing. Yes. That's, that takes its time. Oh. And you can do. You can play the game. Where you can try and work out uh, what series it is based on Kevin McLeod's hair situation. <laughs> <laughs> day by day, knocking off this weird little four-day working week, but it's good to have you on board. Richie, broadcasting from home uh, in a wicker chair with a tartan rug on his knee like Keats. <laughs> Nursing himself back to health. Uh, there's some good stuff coming in. Uh, someone says it's got to be The Haunting or maybe The Sixth Sense, kind of ghost movies, because uh, he says, as a guy, if you're on death's door from man flu, it gives you hope that uh, you may not be alone. And that proves the, 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 the magnitude of, of when men get the flu. Do you know what I mean? This is true. Uh, Sean is suggesting porridge, uh, which uh, ironically is what the healthcare profession have suggested I, I eat as well. Beige Ooh. food is what I've got to eat. Beige bland food. Sounds like my diet. That sounds great. <laughs> uh, Kirsty, what's going on Ill TV? Well, well, I, I obviously had really acute appendicitis and then I currently got filled full of morphine and my pal was with me and, and she was um, basically telling me that later on when I was out of my mind I'd been asking to watch The Colour Purple and they were like, nah, love, let's just get you into, into surgery. I was like, no, I want to watch nah. The Colour Purple because it's so long and interesting. Like, nah. And it only lasted three minutes. The Colour Purple is, is, is a mega film, but is oh, that the goodness. kind of thing that you would normally sit down and watch? Do you know what? Actually, I don't get to watch a lot of TV, and when I do sit down to watch TV, I don't watch like stuff like that's just chewing gum for the eyes. I'll put on really hardcore war movies and things. Hey. That helps me relax. You sound like my kind of person, Kirsty. That's exactly the kind of <laughs> I was just suggesting the world of war a little bit earlier on. But th yes. th if we do this channel, then uh, Ill TV channel, there needs to yes. be a late, really slow, really long movie. Don't you agree? Yes. Uh huh. The longer the bit, Doctor Shivago, the whole lot. It's like everything that's <laughs> epic, three hours long. Das Boot. Das Boot, yeah, great film. <laughs> ben Hur. <laughs> yeah, 
That's, ri- that's Richie's special on. interest stuff, so maybe that's a different channel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they refused my request, so they called for and just whacked me into surgery. And uh, yeah, so I missed out. Brilliant. Lovely to speak to you, Kirsty. That's brilliant. Cheers, Kirsty. Okay, you guys take care. Feel better soon. Uh, Gaz says, A Place in the Sun is always a go-to sick day TV series. It's escapism. You can almost feel the sunshine on your face as you fall asleep in your duvet on the couch. <laughs> Amy has gone back in time somewhat to a very specific time of illness. Uh, supermarket sweet with Dale Winton and can't cook, won't cook. How are you? Is that how you say cook? <laughs> I'm only saying it like that. There was a bloke who presented that, so Ainsley Harriet did it, but then there was also another fella who was from the northeast. I can't remember what his name was. He was a chef, and he called it Can't Cook, Won't Cook, and that's what stuck in my head. Brilliant. It sounds like Big big Cook, Little Cook, but uh, <laughs> a slightly different take on it. Uh, Mr Worldwide says on Twitter, uh, going back to what I was saying earlier on, uh, Bush is spot on about the world at war. Each episode feels like it lasts about three hours as well. Tremendous way to spend the day laid up on the sofa but you have to start the day with Homes Under the Hammer, which I think you've already watched today, Richie. (laughs) I have. Two episodes. Love it. Uh, Sky, come on, make this a channel. Mary makes a very good suggestion. I used to do this. Classic soaps. So it just shows random episodes of old soap operas. So you might watch current day EastEnders, but Ill TV would show you a random episode from about 15 years ago. Why would someone do that? I I, I don't understand why people would do that. That's For me, you've got to watch current soap, otherwise it's gone completely done and dusted like even for example um, Katie my other half she'll just watch an episode of Friends out the blue I feel like you've got to watch them in order these things need to be done in order you can't just pick something from like five years ago it doesn't work I think I think there's something warming about watching an old Coronation Street and Bet and Alec are behind the bar and Reg Holdsworth's running the supermarket. It's weird. Bit weird time travel and I don't like it. Chris <laughs> says, speaking of time travel, it got to be Sharp or maybe even Hornblower. Oh. Bit of oh, a wow. Sean Bean in the Napoleonic era fun and games. That's a great programme. Great shout. If it wasn't for Game of Thrones, I would say Sharp was Sean Bean's career peak. I'm sure Sean would agree with that. We've got Helen from Barry Island on the phone. <laughs> Helen, what programme needs to be on Ill TV? 100% Come Down With Me. Oh, yes, yes. yes. That's the kind of one that you... And they're, they're quite short, so you could march through so many, so many episodes of so that. So many in one day. So many in one day. And you, get, and you get to know the characters over the week and then you kind of join in on, the, on the, the, them ganging up on someone because they've actually bought in a shop frozen uh, lasagna rather than made the sauce and stuff themselves, that kind of vibe? Yeah, definitely. Got to be made themselves. On a food little thought, Helen, um, any suggestions for what I should be eating whilst I'm a little bit under the weather? If you're feeling sick, it's got to be cheese and onion walkers, crisps and fruit gums. Wow, a bit of uh, witchcraft, witch doctory going on there from Helen. No, it, it's might... unnatural fruit juice, fruit juice in your fruit game, so it makes you feel better. Okay. The sugar. Okay. okay. Are you medical? No, not at no. all. No. Clearly not, okay. but worth giving it a go with the fruit guns. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Uh, Do- Dr Helen, it's been great to chat to you. <laughs> no worries, any time. <laughs> this is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. So do you ever have, like, these moments where you're being absent-minded and you're just kind of staring at stuff and suddenly something dawns on you, right? This is what happened to me a bit earlier on today, coming into work, queuing to get down the stairs at Fenchurch Street Station, uh, and the bloke in front of me was, like, clearly an electrician or something, and it was taking a while to go down the stairs. And I was just staring at the back of him, as you do, 
Uh, and I noticed on the back of his backpack, he's got a similar backpack to you, Rich. You've got like what I would describe as a, as a going to work, grown ups <laughs> job, train drivers <laughs> rucksack. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, this fella, has, has drawn his name in big biro on his backpack. And his name was like oh. Darren Summit. I don't know what it is, but it was like proper, not not just like one line of of biro, proper yeah. angry. I don't know if someone's moved his bag or something, but <laughs> angry putting his name on there. And I thought to myself as we go down the stairs, um, I love that thing of like writing your name on stuff because it took me right back to being at school. And if anyone else listening to this did the same thing, where you would engrave using your compass, engrave your name indelibly on the back of your scientific calculator on its black pa- plastic casing. Do you remember yes. doing that? Yes. Because you wouldn't want that disappearing. And and, I, and it got me thinking about the present day in that I'm quite bad now with, with my belongings. Like, I lose stuff quite a bit. And I feel like the value that you place on stuff these days is not quite as much as it used to be. And that's a bad thing. So, if anything, this is a good thing to go back to, you know, writing your name on things. So, this hour of the show, right, if you have written your name on anything that you own for a specific reason, uh, tell us about it. Bex has tweeted to say, my mum has her initials on just about everything she owns. The thing that's always amused me, though, is where she's used a hot metal thing to mark every plastic food container and lid that she owns. She says her mum has branded her own name on Tupperware. I love that. Can you picture the black water flask that I have in the studio with me every day? Yes, I've seen that water flask. Yes, I've seen you use it. Now, that has my name on it. That is scratched into it and actually proved very handy yesterday because when I collapsed outside that station, that's how they worked out what my name was. And someone's going, Richie, have you been drinking? And I could never know. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I shouldn't laugh. That's bad. But it's helped. It saved you. The water flask saved you. <laughs> It did. <laughs> so, look, if you, uh, maybe not to the severity of what happened to Richie yesterday, if you have got your name written on something that you own, we want to hear about it. Hi to Sam the Celt on Twitter, at Absolute Radio. Uh, he sent us a brilliant photo. And this might be quite a common thing if you're in the trade. Don't people nick each other's stuff or whatever or walk off with it. He has got his name, Sam, scratched and drawn and biroed and sharpied onto every single thing he owns. He's got it on a, on a drill bit, uh, some kind of glue gun that's got Sam written on it, a, a tin of drill heads... It's got Sam scratched into it using a compass. None of his stuff's going walk about, that's for sure. You were saying earlier about the scientific calculators at school. You had to scratch it in because other kids would tipex it in. The thing with tipex, that's coming straight off. I know, it's, it's almost like in Grand Theft Auto where you're going to get your car's colour changed to throw off the police. <laughs> Respray. It's exactly that. Uh, Auntie Peg on Twitter says, I've got one of those brother label printers. I Ooh. went mad the first day. I've labelled everything on my desk with my full name. Loving your work. Uh, Matt's texted us, says, Bush, you're not going to believe this. He says, you're going to hate this, Bush. I have my name written on my work shoes, which happen to be orange Crocs. Oh, my God, they're so bad. <laughs> Why do that? Uh, Zoe says, we, we spoke about the scientific calculator already tonight. I still have my calculator from school. I'm now 45 years old. I scratched my full name with the compass on the case and calculator. I still have both. It shows the system works. Steve B has done the same thing. He says, not only did I etch my name onto my scientific calculator, but I also had the order of the planets in the solar system and some key formulas for maths and science ahead of our exams. That's outrageous. <laughs> so, talking about getting your name... So, talking about having your name on stuff you own, we've got Laura on the line. Laura, what have you written your name on in your house? It's the brush I use at home to sweep the floors. At home? Why? At, it, at home, to sweep the floors. In the, on the tile floor downstairs, at home, Yeah. I, I use a, a large brush. Right. Yeah, but why have you had I... to put your name in a, in a home brush? 
because he, he, my husband takes it, or the builders that we've had around the house take them and put them on their on their vans. <laughs> I've got an old-fashioned Tipex pen, yep. and I Tipex my name on it. Wow! So you've had to go to extreme measures in your own house, Laura. How many how many brushes do you think you've had robbed off you over the past few years? Four in the last twelve months. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Outrageous. Yes. Yes. Furious. I've gone to the extent of going to look on the pickup for them as well. I kick their asses. <laughs> Don't mess with Laura when it comes to her brushes. <laughs> Andy says, I put my name on my tape measure. Also the tape at the end of it to ward off theft. No one steals something that looks like it's already broken, says Andy. <laughs> Uh, Bebs has got a Bose speaker and iPad holder that oh. has uh, been uh, etched on. I have to say, if I'm buying something high-end, and no-one's going to say that Bose stuff isn't, if I'm buying something high-end, I'm not etching it. I mean, that's just going to ruin it. Yeah, I mean, Think about the Facebook marketplace infuriating resale value. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this tweet from Sam says a lad from my school had his name on the back of his jumper. Unbelievably, that's what he was wearing when he was trying to take stuff from the local post office. Discarded the jumper. The police found and then found him. Oh my god! It sounds like one of those comedy moments in Crime Watch. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Our colleagues in Greater Manchester are looking for this clown. <laughs> Uh, Shauna says, my work friend labelled his pen to stop us stealing it, so of course we stole it and stuck a face on it and took it on an adventure around the hospital where we work and take selfies with the pen, then post them on Facebook with his <laughs> owner tagged in the post. Oh, my word. <laughs> uh, Louise, what's happening in your house? What have you labelled? Because my 16-year-old daughter likes to wear them and say that the hair clothes, but then also my clothes... <laughs> Oh, wow. Now, that's probably yeah. something that's more going to happen with a daughter and a mum than it is with a son and a dad. Yeah, I think so. Oh, wait, Richie, you worried that Rocker might have his eye on your flat cap and wax jacket that you got, <laughs> eh? <laughs> Louise, isn't that also quite flattering, though? It is, yeah. It is quite flattering, but it's quite annoying at the same time. So, What, what, was, what was the last thing, then? What's, what's the name of your daughter, by the way? Lily May. Lily, what was the last thing that Lily May nicked off of you then? It was it was a pair of pants, pair of trousers. Okay, so what you you seen her walking around them, thinking, "Hold on a minute, I recognise them." Yeah, yeah. And she just kind of like you know she have this like little knowing laugh, um, but but she but in the past she has actually said, "No, no, this is mine," and I'm like, "No, but I went out and bought it. I know it's mine." Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Louise, I think you need to say to Lily May, Lily May not. <laughs> oh, 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 dear. Good one, yeah. No, Sorry, I'm ill. One. He's a little under the weather, I apologise. <laughs> Bush, Richie and producer Adam in his white T-shirt, XL size. That's what the youth wear them these days. I don't mean like that. Youth wear them like that these days. And then his, his kind of sky blue uh, baseball cap that he's wearing backwards on a Wednesday night. I'm not in the studio, but I can picture him. Oh, it's a treat. He looks like, uh, hey, do you know what he looks like, Rich? He looks like someone in... A 19, we're in 1950s America. You and I yeah. have just pulled up to a, a petrol station and he's yeah. going to come out and see if we want anything <laughs> filled up. <laughs> oh, dear. Ten pint of four-star, please. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Bush, last night... Last night, I had a work nightmare about Make Me A Winner. Um, so, you know <laughs> you know how uh, Tatum from Make Me A Winner HQ does the call to the contestant every single day, yeah? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you and I, uh, you know, we we patiently wait to see what's happened, and then we we you know console people off the back, but we don't actually make the call ourselves. But in my nightmare last night. Tatum was off and you and I had been given the responsibility of actually calling up the contestant uh, and, and giving them the money if they picked up and said, make me a winner. Oh, blind. I don't, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't know how this pans out, but I don't like the sound of it already. Well, the phone was answered within the five rings and it was a really, really polite contestant who picked up and went like this. Hello, good afternoon, make me a winner. How can I help you? Like this. <laughs> and we were so bowled over by how polite they were that we were just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. What a polite answer. You've just won £50,000. And we're going really excited. And they're just over the moon and telling us about all the things they're going to do. And then the competition finished and we took off our headphones and in my nightmare, our hapless producer, Adem, turns to us and goes, yeah, but boys, she didn't answer, make me a winner. She said, hello, good evening, make me a winner, how can I help you? And suddenly, we've given someone £50,000 and they're not meant to have it. That sounds awful, just awarding someone, making someone happy and then having to take it back off them. Like, I mean, I've mentioned this before on the show, but do you remember me saying that I accidentally gave a service station the Toilet of the Year awards <laughs> when I was on work experience and I had to phone them back. The worst bit is phoning them back and then breaking yeah. the news to them. It's actually, sorry, it's not you. Because in the nightmare, that comes out of yours and my budgets. Oh, was that how it pans out? Budget is in wages? Yeah, <laughs> literally, yes. Oh, dear. This is getting worse to slow, man. <laughs> if you have a, a recurring workplace... Well, it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to recur, to be honest. If it's a workplace nightmare, this is one that, would, this is one that could happen for Bush and me. Uh, Tom, tell us what yours is. Yeah, so, so as I said, I did a paper round from the age of 12 until 18. Um, then I, I quit my paper round to go to university. Um, but I still now I'm, I'm 30 and I still get nightmares. But um, the nightmare is that the numbers are written on the top of the paper, which is what they used to do, but not the street name. So I give the wrong, wrong papers to the wrong houses <laughs> on the wrong street, which it sounds silly, but it's still, um, still to this day. And also get another nightmare that I push a paper through the letterbox and it rips the outside paper it used to happen and um, yeah still to this day I wake up and um, have the paper on nightmares and I haven't done it in 12 years <laughs> I, I mean it, it is absolutely madness that it's 12 years since you have pushed a letter it's 12 years yeah. since you have pushed a paper through a letterbox in anger yet you are still yeah. getting nightmares about it I I know, I've never had a nightmare about any other job I've done, I don't think, since. And um, But the paper hands are one that still, still wow. gets me to the day. This is, yeah. is channelling pure Stranger Things vibes for me. I'm seeing you kind of cycling around on, on a chopper bike, hurling these things to people's uh, porches. <laughs> what, were you walking around with a big bag, or what was, the, what was your format yeah, of your paper? Cycling, cycling round. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cycling round um, lots of streets in the morning, uh, a pound a day. <laughs> wow, and what a area, what area was this? Day. Uh, this was in um, this is in Nottinghamshire. Wow. Okay. Well, if you uh, maybe this, you know, like PPI, people have uh, you know uh, t- tried to claim for stuff after after it's happened. Yeah. If you were in the Nottingham area 10, 12 years ago, maybe you <laughs> had a couple of ripped expresses or whatever. Yeah. Get in touch yeah. now. Not too late to claim. Yeah, as long as they don't come after me for the money, that's okay. Yeah. Talking about uh, in gigs when they pick someone out from the crowd to sing along, uh, is it set up or is it for real? Dave in London has just texted now saying, chaps, I used to tour with Brian Adams back in the day. Trust me, it's not fixed. Some nights we had some horrors getting up and singing. 
<laughs> Good news. Uh, another reason to now try and enter that competition on our website to go and see Brian Adams at the Royal Albert Hall, absoluteradio.co.uk. Uh, your work recurring nightmares, please. Uh, Will, what happens in yours? Oh, yeah, so probably at least uh, every couple of weeks it's um, some realisation, oh, I've got my finals in a, in a week. I haven't done any revision. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Then I wake up and it's like, oh, wait, no, I don't, I don't have to revise. Um, I qualified years ago. So <laughs> relief, and, then it, and then it's, oh, I qualified years ago. Oh, I'm quite old now. Oh, oh no. Well, what is it that you do? What did you, what, what is it about qualifying for? Oh, I'm a, I'm a dentist. Okay, so you, you, you feel the, the passage of time and you also have a panic about messing your exams up. And do you, do you have that thing? I remember before all of my exams back in the day, there's always one know-it-all who says, oh, did you revise something for dentistry? Enamel. And you'd be like, oh, no, I haven't done enamel. And then you have to go into the room. Is it like that? Uh, kind of. It's suddenly I, I, look at, I either look at my diary or someone mentions it and it's like, oh... Oh, oh no. Oh no, what have I done? Well, why haven't I revised? Why am I in this situation? And then um, it passes a little bit, and then I wake up in a panic, and then the a massive relief, and then the back down to earth of, oh, yes, I, I'm old now. <laughs> that, that's why I don't have to revise. <laughs> Will, show us your knowledge. Yeah. Give, us, give us one thing that we can share with our mates down the pub about enamel. About enamel? Um, it's the hardest biological substance. Um, in nature. Get in. Wow. Still got it, wow. Will. Still got it, sunshine. The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. That's it, another takeaway done and dusted, hopefully uh, digested nicely for you. Uh, we were talking about icing sugar at the beginning, um, debating whether it was OK to put in tea if you've run out of sugar in your house. Um, did I ever tell you what I used to do when I was home alone as a kid with icing sugar? <laughs> no, it sounds sketchy, but I'd love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> what, it's, not as ske- it's not as sketchy as the way that I know your mind is going. <laughs> Go on, no. I imagine a lot of strange mental images going on for people at the moment, so set us straight. So my mum, we were lucky, she would generally get sort of like a, a, a pack of like you know Kit Kats to stick in like a, a pack lunch. Not the whole pack at once, but like, you know, the, the little snack ones would, would go in our pack lunches. Yeah. So we were lucky. But there would generally always be some in the house. And if she was out, what I used to like to do was to get a Kit Kat, get out a bowl, get out the icing sugar, whip up some icing sugar in there, and then I would <laughs> I would ice the top of Kit Kats, oh let them God. set... <laughs> Then have it as a snack. That is unbelievable. That's like adding more sugar to a thing that's probably got enough sugar in it anyway. Yeah, it wasn't necessary, but it was fantastic. Do you know what? You know, again, I've mentioned this on the show before. There's me, you know, people in glass houses and everything. I used to put, me and my brother used to put sugar cubes in our uh, pints of Coca-Cola when we were with our mum and dad at the Burnie Inn back in the 80s. So that's even worse. Absolutely certain that that wasn't needed. Uh, Needless to say, don't try any of these things you've heard on the podcast tonight at home. 